0: Hey, welcome back to Snap Decisions. This is part two of our conversation with Wally Farriston, aka Q Card Wally. Coming up, we're gonna hear from Wally more stories behind the scenes on the set of Saturday Night Live and Seth Myers. Here we go. You talked about making some of the guests and the hosts comfortable. Clearly that works because, man, reading about you and just listening to, I don't want to promote another podcast, but they're already number one. (laughs) So what the hell? You know, the guys on Smartless, Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes and Will Arnett often reference you. And it's clear that some really big talent of all stripes just rely on you when they come on that yeah. show and have developed a comfort with you. Obviously there's some experience there. There's some chemistry there to so what do you attribute your ability to kind of make those connections and make them feel comfortable?
1: It's, you know, I mean, I, I guess doing it so long, I think, you know, one of your questions which was, was interesting was how long did it take to get good at
0: what, what you
1: did? So I was naturally really good at holding the cards when I first started, I wasn't running anything. I was just a worker. And within three years, the guy that was running it left and there were three or four people that had four years more experience than me. And they picked me to run the show because I was the coolest under pressure and I could handle those pressure situations, making snap decisions very quickly without panicking. Can we get the changes done in time? Can we only do these amount of changes? Something like that. It probably took me three years to get comfortable running that show because I didn't trust anybody to do it. Cause now I'm, now I'm responsible. So I think you guys have <laughs> the situations where yeah, you're yeah, in charge on, yeah. and you're doing all the work or you're doing supervising yep. everything, you won't do it something without being involved with it. And then you get comfortable with your workers and you say, Oh, they can do it. Yeah. They're trained well. And then I can relax a little bit. So it took me about three years to get really good. And then when I got comfortable, then I could make the hosts comfortable. I think just by showing, Hey, this is where I'm going to be on Saturday and there's going to be a set over here and you want to run cards. You know, if it's a sketch that, Really hard. I'll come in your dressing room and cards. Anything they want to make the experience better. So I had a good experience this summer with uh, Ryan Reynolds. I did a commercial. They hired me to do a commercial with him in Toronto, and he didn't know I was coming. Mm-hmm. So their direct, they flew me out, put me up, uh, They flew me out first class. It was really nice, and I got mm-hmm. on set, and he walks by me, doesn't see me, and. And then I see him talking to the director and then he runs over to me and he was like, what the hell are you doing here? And I was like, I'm here. <laughs> and he was like, Brian, the director told me they had cue cards and they he, he was like, they told me, he's like, you won't believe who we got. And he told me, and he's like, when he said your name, he was like, I instantly relaxed my body relaxed. I, I was, he's like, I was, I'm at ease and I'm not worrying about anything for the rest of the shoot today. And just hearing my name made him relax and say, awesome. oh. Oh, this is going to be this is great. So, yeah, I guess I have that appeal because I proved myself over the years. Proving yourself yeah. and doing that right. Yeah. But it was really nice to hear him say that and instantly relaxing people. That's why I did cards for Seth. When Seth started, I was only working three days a week, 21 weeks out of the year. I had a really nice, nice yeah, life. A lot there, of yeah. time but <laughs> when Seth started, I wanted him to relax and not worry about cue cards. I wanted to worry about the writing. That's why I, I took on that.
0: So obviously you're putting people with ease. Do you think you're you've done a bunch of writing? Do you think some of your writing chops have helped you with, you know, timing and kind of being on the same page with a performer? I think so. I think
1: that's a really good, that's a really good point. I grew up in comedy. My brother writes, my brother writes comedy. My dad wanted to be a comedian. I really wanted to write comedy. I wanted to write funny movies. Yes. I think having a good sense of humor helped me understand the sketch and maybe write it differently and, and, you know, just, yeah, help them out. So yes, I think, I think that having that sense of humor comes into play a lot, you know?
2: So yeah. So when you're filming both, both shows during a week, are you, are you going up and down 30 rock? Like, Back and forth the whole time, or Thursday
1: is the only day. Uh, Seth tapes Monday through Thursday, and SNL is Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm there from two to five. Nice cushy three hour day. You know, drive in hour, drive home hour. Thursday is the tougher one where I have Seth at from four to five, while SNL starts rehearsing at three. And the studios are right next to each other on the same floor, so I'm just so it's really easy. So I'm just going back and forth. Wherever, you know, Seth gets the preference because they're taping that day. And it's just rehearsal. But I'm going in there and if it's a host I haven't met, I try to go talk to them and say, hey, this is I'm doing Seth. I'll be here, you know, an hour, in an hour or two. And they're like, okay, fine. You know, go ahead. The ones that are nervous will be like, oh, you're coming back, right? I say, yeah, <laughs> I'll be back. I'm just... <laughs> so, yeah, it's a little bit of juggling on Thursday. But then Friday, I'm there all day. And Saturday, I'm, I'm all day doing, you know, doing stuff. When Amber, I don't know, Amber Ruffin, if you guys ever watched yeah. that show, they, that used to take Friday mornings rehearsal would start Friday morning. So that was a tougher one. I'd have to be in at like 8 30, which I hate mornings. Being <laughs> in 8 30, we tape at one and then we finish around three and then I'd have to go over for hour rehearsal. So it was a long that's a long.
2: long day. Yeah. It
1: was yeah. between two shows on Thursday, and two shows on Friday and then Saturday. Yeah. It was long. But she's not taping any shows right now right now. So it's good.
2: And then you so you, you mentioned around Reynolds special, Yeah, you do pick up occasional things here and there too, just to kind of stay busy in the off season, I guess. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, when the, when the strike was going, I was a commercial, so I could still do that. I mean, I used to do that a lot when I was first starting out or when when I was starting out with my company and I was younger and I was like, yeah, they. I'm the only cue card company in town, basically. So if someone comes to town and they need cue cards or they're thinking about getting cue cards, they have to come to me. So I get, you know, I would get a lot of offers like, yeah, in the summer when I was off. I was off in the summer when there was no Seth. And yeah, I'd get like, we we do the parade. We do the Macy's parade. We we do oh. shows on New Year's Eve oh, wow. in, the, in Times Square. We don't do them anymore. We did the ones in Miami this lately because Lauren produces the one, the Miley Cyrus ones. Yes. Lauren produced those. So I did those. Yeah, it's things like that,
0: you know. Oh. So my big takeaway not- from all that is that there's a, there's a cue card cartel that you're in charge of. Pretty much. <laughs> no, no pretty one else pretty pretty can come in and do it, huh?
1: I mean, they could try, but I own all the QCard workers. So, you know, good luck. Good luck with that. So staff, staff. Yeah. you've got a full yeah. staff,
0: right? you yeah, got a full staff at any time
1: doing 15, a bunch of projects. 15, 15 workers, 15 people, guys and girls working for me. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's something that, again, I didn't set out to have a company. It's just something that turned into this opportunity and I was really good at it. And, you know, it, it's my career now, you know, it's what I'm known for. I
2: love that. I love that because you, you just... You never know where, where life's going to take you. And, and here you I are. Know. Yeah.
1: I know yeah. people are like this, people, when I tell them what I do, like, that's a job. That's a thing.
2: It's not <laughs> yeah. just a job. It's a
0: whole business. And
1: I say it's a, I, I say it's the, it's the, I have the biggest <laughs> computer company in the, in the, in the world, in the, in the country. Biggest cue card company in the country, and people are like, well, it, you could say the world because there's not really big cue card companies. Yeah. In other. And I was like, yeah, that seems even for my ego, that seems really
0: hard. <laughs> we'll say it for you. You guys can say it. Sure. It, yeah. it, it, we'll we'll, re, we'll redo the intro and introduce yeah. you as the world's <laughs> lo, running the world's largest cue card company. Yeah. You also run a side business, a cue card business. So Brian mentioned this that during during COVID, you started selling cue cards directly. Personalized, directly. Q, yeah, personalized
1: cue cards. Now. Yeah. These are, there's like two really good snap decisions in this story. And it's not ones that I made. It's one that my business wife made that you guys know, Deborah Ferriston. A year before that 2019.
2: Brilliant, brilliant woman. I brilliant came marketer. Up with this
1: idea. I had yeah. the idea to do personalized cue cards for people. I, can't, I was thinking about it one night and I remember walking into the kitchen and she was, she was sitting doing something, probably work. And I told her, I go, I get this idea for, for this company. What do you think? And I told her the idea. And within three seconds, she said, nope. Nope. Not the time for it. It's not going to work. You know, you know, go away. And it was like that. I swear it was that quick. And, I, and whether it was, I don't know what she based her decision on, probably based it on that. I was already working a lot and yeah. she knows me and yeah. don't like to do work. She, she, maybe that was part of the decision, whatever it was, it was, it was quick. And I I w I didn't challenge her on it because she's, she knows her, she knows her stuff. A year later, COVID's here. It's probably three months in the COVID. I think it was like May and i've been doing nothing i'm and i'm sitting on the couch gaining weight not doing anything and she's <laughs> she's watching a show and she said i think i need to start a new company and i was like hey what about that cue cards by Wallie thing? That personalized cue card. And again, snap decision. Yes, yes. now's the time to nice. do it. People Just as fast as that
2: now, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, it
1: was really fast. Again, and she was like, Yes, now's the time to do it. You can't the people can't go to weddings, they can't go to you know birthdays. This is yeah. this is perfect. So again, even though I wasn't working, I didn't want to do a lot of work. So it took a couple of weeks for her to figure out. And she came up with, I know you guys will know this MVP minimal mm-hmm. viable product. Yeah, 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 I was like. She's like, get a Venmo account and get an Instagram account and go, and that's what I did. That was easy, and then it it took off. I got some press within like two weeks of opening, and it was on its way. And she again awesome. was right again, so really smart snap decisions by her from her nice. business.
0: So, All the stuff she learned in business, you know. Yeah. So I hadn't thought of this before, but now I know I'm going to get Brian for his birthday. I'm going to get him a, <laughs> a, a personal handwritten cue card by Wally. Yeah.
2: Yeah, fantastic. It's going to, to
0: say something nasty, but it will be funny. <laughs> so yeah, so
1: so she she used her business acumen and and knowing her husband to say no
0: and then to say yes that now is the, the
2: time. Timing's like, everything. A, a true marketer,
0: assessing yep. the market, predicting when yep. things are ripe for opportunity, that's yeah, great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really really smart. And I, and that, that was something that I didn't expect. To bring me so much joy i thought it was just something to keep me busy but it was the, the the feedback i was getting from people that they couldn't go to a, a birthday party or an anniversary and that they were giving this original gift that went over really well and everyone was like oh my god this is fantastic was was kept money coming in and just kept me happy you know and it made me made me feel like i was doing something to to bring joy to people during this pandemic that we all suffered through you know it was it was it was really really fun
0: fun and it just you know felt made me feel really good about what i do you know very cool does anyone ever pay you to come do an event like that's not like a a recorded not a professionally produced thing but like that's the the next business we're all right sorry didn't mean to spoil anything (laughs) are we breaking news here
1: no no we, we we're we're doing research i'm very very slowly but doing research on like I speak at a lot of colleges like for mm-hmm. free. I'll go to like the colleges that my kids went to, but also local colleges like Montclair State. I've been to with, with friends of my sons that go there and I'll go and speak to classes or, or or groups of people. And I get a lot of really, really good feedback from that. I get a lot of good stories and I give out cue cards and they have a great time. So yeah, so we're looking into that down the road as another income stream when I get closer to maybe not doing as much cue cards, but going and speaking to colleges, or you know, she thinks I would do well with at businesses. I don't know if I would do as well with the with a, you guys would know like like a company thing. I, I just don't know if, if if that's my audience. You know, maybe some of them would be my audience, but not all of them. You know, I think college you could
2: figure it out. Yeah, that? I yeah, I think you could. There's something there. Yeah,
1: there's, there, something there's there. definitely something there, and I you know going to I think colleges would be really fun. And yeah, I don't know, you know, that's going to be the next step. The next thing, you know, speaking, speaking things with a whole presentation and fun thing. Yeah.
2: What was your uh, what was your reaction to being on camera? You know, I I know that it it started a year or two into when you were in SNL. But like, is that I mean, that's got to be like icing on the cake. But were you how nervous were you in those types of situations? And it's got to be so much fun. It's
1: you know, I was I was an actor. I did acting in high school. I always wanted to be a writer. I didn't I didn't. I got I like being on camera, but it wasn't my focus. So anytime SNL said, hey, we, we put you in the monologue, we put you in the cold open. It was fantastic. It was really fun. And I got to, you know, you have enough time to rehearse, even though it's SNL, you have time to rehearse. And then when Seth started doing it more and more and more, I think I was, I, you know, I was nervous at first and I don't think I was great. But the more and more I did it, the more and more I re- would relax about it. Because the thing is. Sometimes I won't know I'm on camera until an hour before the show starts. We'll get a closer look <laughs> at 2 30. I start printing it. I see I'm in it. So as I'm printing it, I'm trying to learn my lines or get so wait, they write you into it and you don't even know. No, I have <laughs> no idea until I get the script, you know, an hour and a half before the show while I have to print the script. So I don't really have time to be nervous. I just kind of like take it like and it's fun. Like they don't Seth has that Seth has the confidence to put me in it and keep on putting me in into it and let me add I'm mic'd every day whether I'm in the show or not. We had a mistake. We had a misspelled word. Pennsylvania. We misspelled on a on a monologue joke, and he called me out on it, and then called himself on it because he's like, I read this during rehearsal and I didn't see it, and we just started talking about it in the process of what happened, and it was really funny and it was you know really good. So they feel free with letting me ad lib something like this, that, and so, I feel it feels fun, you know.
2: I love when so, they had you. you look like George Santos. Oh <laughs> <was> yes,
1: <yeah>. <laughs> I'm very upset. I didn't. I was gonna text the writer to see if I could, you know have a reference to me or at least play him one more time.
0: You know, when he was, ousted but it didn't, it didn't happen. That was but, a good one though. That was, that was so, fun. So uh, as you, as you get more and more on camera time, especially on Seth, like you just said, and you're, you've got kind of some celebrity status. Yeah. Do you feel like you have to make decisions like how to walk that line between being behind the camera and in front of the camera? What is that? Or is it just like kind of thrown upon you and you just go with it? It's
1: trying to keep my ego you know, so that smaller, so that I don't annoy my coworkers, my wife. Uh, well, and, that's for your wife. It's more to keep your ego. Any, at you. anybody yeah, anybody around me, and it's harder and harder. Like you know, like I said, I did that Ryan Reynolds commercial. He put me in Instagram post last week. I don't know if you guys, if you saw it. There were there were leaked photos from the set of his superhero movie. So the shooting Deadpool three, and I guess a cameraman with a big lens got shots of, of set and leaked them to some websites. So he. Two days after leaked his own onset photos, but they were Photoshop, really bad Photoshop, like Mickey Mouse was in one and <laughs> Urkel was in the background of another one. And then he put me in one holding a card that said Wally put the cards down that he got from that he photoshopped in from SNL. Now I think he did it because the commercial we worked on released the day before this happened. That's is crazy. like Seth Meyers was calling me, he was like, did you see what Ryan Reynolds posted?" <laughs> my brother was calling me from Hollywood saying, what, what's going on with this? You know, like it was, it was really, so when things like that start happening, that's crazy. You know, yeah. that's really, really. I, I, I love that
0: I, your brother who wrote for Seinfeld yes, is now, is now is, jealous of your celebrity status. That's oh,
1: no doubt. I, I could tell you the stories of hanging out with my brother at a cast party early on in my career, and Nicole Kidman hosted, and she was still married to Tom Cruise, and we were hanging at the bar, and Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise walk in, and they're trying to get to the table, and Tom Cruise is like, "Hold on a second. and he did a beeline for me, and came up, shook my hand. He's like, "Thanks so much for helping her out. You are fantastic tonight." Oh, and my wow. brother's there with his mouth open, going, "What is going on?" <laughs> right. So yeah, and so he was it. a
2: he was a receptionist first at Saturday Night Live, right? Yeah. Before he became yeah, a writer, worked, yeah.
1: yeah. Yep, he worked his way up.
0: I try I thought, to keep not not there. Tom Cruise, your brother. No, no,
1: no, no. Just, just
2: to be clear,
0: <laughs>
1: I try to keep that stuff in check. Like I said, it's really cool to hear that stuff, and I have celebrities coming up and telling me they watch me on the show and they think I'm really funny. John Hamm, I know who I know from SNL, but he was like, "You're so funny on the show." And that kind of blows me away when I when I have celebrities telling me that. Yeah. But um, like I said, I try to keep it in check and I try to say, okay, it's the fun part of the job, but it's still I'm still doing cue cards. I'm still going to focus on that and not. Screw yeah. that well you know, well, I you know
2: it's good because you have you you know when you look at your team you know how they need to be acting so you you yes. are able to be able to you know see it yes, for i have to, to balance
1: see. it is a balance yeah. though i do yeah. have to balance that i can think about it when the show's over but when the show's going on i'm focused on doing cue
0: cards unless i'm in something you know for that for that moment because yeah. you have to be
1: focused to do that job you know well, well, you've
0: had some nice moments to shine in the spotlight, but it sounds like also from your description that sometimes you're kind of working in the bowels of Studio 8H, you know, writing for hours. So I, I get that that could be kind of the the non-glamorous side. Curious to hear, you don't have to name names, but, you know, please do. Like any of like really unpleasant cast members or guests, like any stories around like just a, just a crappy situation cast regarding members, talent? Cast members, know and... In- you know,
1: it's the people that you would imagine were not were not nice. You know, like George Steinbrenner when you know he comes down. Yeah. With okay. Name names. Oh. a pleasant. He's not going to be a pleasant guy. You know, it's people yeah. like that. I will say, you know, Donald Trump wasn't the wasn't the worst when he this was. This is before politics. He was just mm-hmm. a reality host and a mm-hmm. sure. guy, and he was he was fine. He wasn't good, but he was you know he was fine. Usually, it's not the non actors you know that come in. The Elon Musks will come in and people like that that aren't used to this kind of thing. So they don't know how to act an environment to them. Yeah. You know, they're not act on camera, they don't know how to act off camera kind of thing. You (laughs) know, but most of I would say 97% of people are really nice because they need me. I'm I'm helping them out, you know. (laughs) So they're not gonna be mean to me or a jerk to me because I'm there to help them, you know.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. What was your uh what's your favorite cast era?
1: Well, they say it's when you started watching, right? That's yeah. what they say. Whatever you were watching, or when you were a teenager, I think when yeah. you were a teenager, that's yeah. that's that's yeah. probably your favorite. So I mean, I started watching when I was 10. I when the show started. So I mean the original cast really is what how I grew to love the show. I don't remember a lot when they left. So I think I stopped watching that Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy year's Billy Crystal. I don't remember watching a lot, but I was probably in high school, probably going out a lot on Saturdays, and this was—do we have VCRs in,
2: in the <laughs> early early, right? Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, not early everyone 80s, had
0: them, but yeah,
1: you know, yeah. So, so it's the first cast, and then when I started working, you know, I started working with Adam Sandler and Chris Farley, and you know, and you know those guys, and David Spade. So, you know, those—that's my second favorite when I started with those guys. You know, really like putting
0: him on the spot there, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> he's got he's got to work with these people, you know. Yeah, and I, they know, and, I, and, I, and I'm guessing the cast is listening. Maybe. current cast, yeah they're not here they're not here right now but no no but they will be listening eventually
2: when you came in uh, when you started snl did you always see that as kind of like uh, i'm going to be here for a couple of years and i'm going to do something else and see that as you know what point did you realize that like you know this is okay. where i'm going to be for i'm
1: going to be stuck there for 33 years yeah, I wanted to be a writer, so I don't know if we covered that. I went yeah. to school went the Syracuse for writing, and I wanted to be a writer. So I took the job to get my foot in the door, and I did. I made contacts. I was writing. I started writing jokes for Norm McDonald and Weekend Update immediately, and then I got hired to do some stuff for Nickelodeon and uh, Cartoon Network and uh, MTV, and I was writing episodes of things here and there. Nothing, you know, to keep nothing to pay the bills. You know, it was just like five hundred dollars here, eight hundred dollars there. And- but you were actually, you were actually a writer. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was hired to write. I was doing that. So I was doing the cue cards to keep, you know, the money coming in, but I really, really wanted to write. So I took, I took six, four months off. I I, I left the show one year, my buddy took over and I think I had just got married. So I think my wife was maybe a little bit of that. I said, well, you should, if you want to write, why don't you, you know, take
2: just go and do it, yeah.
1: I went out to LA with my brother. My brother set me up with an agent and I took like a bunch of meetings, you know, people would production companies. And I pitched them ideas and, you know, introduced myself kind of thing. And I did that for like three months, like going out, flying out and doing that. And nothing came of it. And she said, okay, you know, we don't have to give it up, but we need to, we need some money. We need some money coming in. my Her her salary was not going to pay for us living in the city. So yeah. I went back to help out. And in the meantime, while I was gone in those four months, my buddy who I knew, he was good at doing cue cards. But again, like I said, it took me three years to get the hang of running the thing. He was nowhere close to knowing how to run it, and they were missing me big time. At the end of the season, he decided to move to L.A., and the show said we want Wally back to run it. And I was, and I was like, "Well, I don't know." And they were like, "Whatever you want, whatever." A leverage, right? (laughs) I had serious leverage because they saw what life was like without me, and they didn't (laughs) like it. So I went back. I I named my salary. I said I want to make this. I want to do this, and I want to write. I wanted to write sketches, and they said, "Okay, we'll agree to all that." They paid me what I wanted. It was the first year of the Will Ferrell, all those guys. It was, it was a whole cast came in at the same time. And write, all writers too. They said, let us have the first three months to get like our feel. And then we'll let you start submitting sketches. And they did. In January, they went to me and said, okay, you can submit a sketch to every show. You know, one sketch to every show. Oh, wow. Started writing yeah. sketches. And uh, I almost got the first one I submitted I almost got on it was in the it was in the show like four or five times it was out it was in it was out it was in and uh, word came back from Lauren Lauren loved it he was like you're you're you could keep on writing and that was like a good boost I was like, this is really nice And they were trying to figure out if I did get one on I'm not in the Writers Guild. how are they gonna pay me how, yeah. what am I going to do there was all this talk about that And I did it for three weeks I didn't get a sketch on but I was really close and they were really liking my stuff and then a guy in props who'd been there for 20 years, you know, longer than me, went up to them and said, hey, why is Wally allowed to write sketches? Oh, yeah, I yeah. want to write a sketch too. And then they were like, all right, we can't let Wally write sketches anymore. And that guy is my mortal enemy. I, he, he doesn't work on the show anymore, but he ruined it. Yeah, he's like, okay, you can't that do this. I know it did, but it was... It was a good feeling. And then again, I was getting to the point where I think I started the company in 2004 because we were being treated pretty badly. And again, Deb making the decision, I got her the the numbers, she ran the numbers, she did a business plan, which I didn't know what that was. And she was like, yeah, we can make some money. We can move to a better town, bigger, bigger house. I go, I just bought a sports car. You can have a sports car. I'm like, okay, hey, let's do it. So we started, the- <laughs> and it's 19, we've had it for 19 years now, uh, running uh, pretty
0: well, so. Fantastic. So so you had a couple of decisions there. One was to yeah. not stay in LA and keep writing, and then yeah. to, to start your own company. Yeah. Those are big decisions that kind of got you to be the king of cue cards. Yeah. Um, yeah. What if you? What if those decisions had been different and you'd kind of gone down the writing track? Do you think that would have been as fulfilling I say it, I talk about it all the time. No, I think, because I see my brother who's doing that. My brother's
1: a very successful writer, Mm -hmm. but I think the experiences I have and continue to have as a cue card guy would far outweigh anything that I would have had as a writer, even if I was writing great movies or really funny movies. I'm meeting these people and getting this relationship with them and this thing that, that yeah. no one else has, you know, and it's yeah. fantastic. It's
2: really, like maybe wonderful. you would have got five but, good years and then, yeah. and then yeah. you might not yeah. have
1: had, some yeah. hit movies and maybe, you know, I've been able to live off that, but this is so much fun. And I've got a, I've got a really cool reputation. A friend of mine, like two years ago said, I Googled cue cards and your picture came
0: up <laughs> and I was like, going, Oh, that's, that's, that's cool. Kinda, that's kind of cool. But, well, well, hearing you talk about those connections and those relationships and hearing the people you're you're connecting with talk about their re- relationship with you clearly you're doing something right so
1: yes well thank to you man. Man. i try i try yeah I'm, it's really fun and yes when i get that feedback from people like alec baldwin and stuff it's really 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 meaningful you know really great
2: awesome awesome well uh, you know we really appreciate you uh, taking some time and talking to us uh, love oh yeah your story we love uh, great stuff. everything about it and you know It's not marketing, but it is, you know, and it's uh, a lot of crossovers here and uh, it's great. So thank you. No, I
1: appreciate you guys having me. No, I've done, I've done sometimes. I have a friend that's in the business world and I've gone and talked to his group and they've asked me questions and stuff like that. And it's a lot of, it's really relatable to, to what you guys do. I'm managing employees, but it's a different kind of thing, but it's the same. It's the same kind of things. It's communication and it's trust and it's, you know, the communication thing I think is probably one of
0: the most important things. You guys, you know, it's everything. really is all the same. Huge. Yeah. And when stuff isn't going, going well, uh, a lot of times it's a communication <laughs> breakdown. Yeah. And I appreciate it, you guys having me. No matter yeah, what, no, you're, thank well, you. what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. It was great to see you. Uh, great talking to you. And thanks so much for sharing your stories. You
1: guys too. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Wow,
2: well, John, that was a great guest. It's great talking to Wally.
0: Yeah. What cool stories he has.
2: Yeah. it's Second to none, really. It's
0: fascinating to hear not only the stories that he has from these iconic tv shows but and, and you think about it's him because he's on camera an awful lot but the fact that there's a whole team that he is just orchestrating to bring all this content to life live every yeah. single week is just really cool
2: yeah and it seems like he it doesn't get old for him either he just loves it so yeah yeah good stuff good stuff all right, all right well,
0: well to close us out here do you have a dear hopelessly unattainable guest for us
2: Yes, I got one to wrap it up here. And, uh, you know, I was thinking long and hard about how we're going to get somebody on here that is uh, one of our moonshots. And so I decided to take a little bit of a different approach on this one. Ooh. And so who I am trying to attract this time is uh, none other than Tom Hanks. ooh Yeah, so... Wow, uh, big name. That, uh, a true A-lister. True A-lister, top actor of our generation. So here we go, all right? Let's get after it. Moon shoot away. Dear Tom, we are a new-ish podcast that really focuses on the hard and tough choices professionals make that lead to their inevitable success. While we love to hear about the highest of the highs and occasionally talk about the lowest of the lows, I'd love for you to join our show to only talk about your lows. You have a magnificent career parallel to almost no one, including giant consecutive hits in the 90s in Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, and Apollo 13. Your sweet rom-coms with Meg Ryan, Your portrayal of legends like Walt Disney, Mr. Rogers, Colonel Tom Parker, and Ben Bradley. I want to hear about whether you have a floor piano like you danced on in Big, or what it was like to work with and know Steven Spielberg. But I'm willing to give it all up and sacrifice all those fun conversations to dig into your rock bottom. Moves like Joe versus the Volcano and the (laughs) Bonfire of the Vanities. You're my favorite guest ever on Saturday Night Live. You're so likable and make it look all too easy especially in the legendary skits like David S. Pumpkins and the Mr. Belvedere fan club. But what the heck happened with the movie Larry Crown? Let's focus on those struggles, and I'm sure there's others I can't think of. And the agony and stress it brought upon your career, and so much more on an episode of Snap Decisions. It's the thing that we do. Behind the curtain with Tom Hanks, I can't wait and have a feeling you can't either. Sincerely, Brian and John.
0: I'm not sure what you put my name on that one.
2: (laughs) We're in this together, man. We're in this together.
0: I feel like you really embrace the unattainable portion of the dear hopelessly unattainable guest who (laughs) we are offering an unattainably impossible collection of uh, questions for. (laughs) Tell us about how horrible things have been for you at some time. I I
2: mean, I think that uh, it could be a short episode, so maybe that'll track them, you know? We only want to talk to you for forty-five seconds because there's not very many lows for you.
0: That's a good point. There's not a lot of conversation around things to, that haven't gone well for Tom X because that guy seems to uh, spin most things into gold.
2: He sure does. He sure does.
0: All right. Well, you know, we know somebody who knows him. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what kind of relationship Wally has with him, but we
2: <laughs> right there. We should have. We should have said something. Let's call
0: him back. Yeah. All right. Well, let's call it a wrap, shall we?
2: Let's do it. Let's close it up.
0: All right. Well, thank you all for joining. Next time we will uh, we'll be even better prepared because we'll have cue cards in front of us.
2: One more thing, John. Happy New Year. Oh,
0: yeah. Happy New Year.
2: 2024. I'm going to go work on my re- resolutions now. I'm already done, mine. Goodbye. See ya.